Tales from the Chair is not intended to diagnose or treat any condition, illness, or disease. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for mental health treatment. Should you or a loved one require further assistance, please seek out a licensed professional. Welcome back to Tales from the Chair. I'm Carlos Cardenas. Let's have a go at it. Today's episode, why are so many kids getting online relationships? Let's start off with some stats, right? When they did a recent research poll, teens, and I imagine that this is somewhere in the range of 13 to 18 year olds, the amount of teens that are currently dating, quote unquote, is 32%, which I feel is ridiculously low. So this this has to either mean that they are teens that are currently dating, like they're actively in a relationship or something like that, or a bunch of teens were like, get out of here, this is stupid, I'm not gonna give you a real answer. But anyways, let's pretend for for data's sake that that is true. One quarter of that 32% is doing it online. Now, half of teens in some capacity use the internet to court, so, liking and DMing on an Instagram or sending some messages on Snapchat or back and forthing with Twitter, all these good things. So kids use the internet for the sake of courting, but about a quarter of these are strictly within the realm of online dating. So they basically are dating without meeting in real life. So boy in Tennessee is talking to girl in Quebec or guy in New York is talking to this other guy on Discord in California. And so just to kind of give you an idea of what this means in comparison to other people, 27% of adults use online dating. And when it ends up being a long distance relationship, about 60% of them last. In comparison to high schoolers that are in relationships that are long distance, 20% of them last. Now sticking to kids and online relationships, the average span of a long distance relationship as a teenager is about four and a half months. So what the heck is going on? Why is it that someone would feel comfortable with not only being in a relationship online, but one in which you don't actually meet the person? Because It goes deeper, this rabbit hole of curiosity. Some people will actually engage with them via FaceTime or via video games and kind of interact, but there are actual online relationships in which typing or just simply the audio is enough for the relationship. And when we come back, I'm going to give you several different scenarios as to what this looks like and just some thoughts on how to address it with your kids and What is really going on here? You know what's been happening a lot lately? I've actually noticed that a lot of the teenagers that I work with are not only using Discord in order to chat with people, but they're using it to actually begin relationships. Mostly, relationships with complete strangers, oftentimes in a very completely different part of the country. For those of you that are 
young, but not so young, old, but not so old. This is almost reminiscent of the AOL chat room days that used to exist in the late 90s, early 2000s, where people would just kind of enter into a chatting space and just start engaging with complete strangers, trying to interact with them, develop relationships, and then over time, either kind of get acquainted with them or just kind of allow them to drift off into internet buddy status. But Discord is the modern day AOL chat room because it is an instant messenger platform and video platform and audio platform and everything in between. And what I've been seeing a lot lately is that people who find they are having difficulty socializing will often drift into Discord in order to connect with people. Sometimes with people that they already know, sometimes with complete strangers. Sometimes this will happen with fellow gamers that they found on a different game and then this is the way that they want to communicate with one another. Sometimes it's a interest in a, a show or something and they find channels that have those similar interests. But the story I'm gonna share right now is about one kid who got onto a Discord channel and found himself questioning his own sexuality. You see, he followed some friends onto Discord in order to better connect with them because he felt self-conscious about not only his friendship status, but also not having as many connections with these people. And in entering the Discord channels with them, he followed them into different channels that often were LGBTQ plus arenas with strangers or friends of the friends. And what ended up happening is basically a conservative's wet dream where this kid started actually identifying himself as first gay, then bisexual, then experimental, then just simply queer, because he was basically following along with what the people were saying so that they can like him. And you know what? It eventually worked because one of the people ended up kind of connecting with him. They would play games together. They would talk. Turns out that person was from a nearby school and their little immature romance starts up. But unfortunately, here's the thing about this situation. So he was transitioning into all these different like emotional states, right? And then when it was time to actually act on it, he didn't know what to do with himself. And so unfortunately, one of the drawbacks that you see from online relationships like this is that once it kind of goes into real life, these kids don't know what to do. They don't know what to do with the physical component. They don't know what to do with the awkward aspect of talking to someone in front of you. And unfortunately, things collapsed and this poor kid kind of went back to square one. And that's one of the trends that you're going to see with a lot of these stories that you don't develop fully from these kind of interactions. This next story involves someone who basically follows the same playbook as the last person uses Discord to play games with friends, starts making new friends with different people in different channels, eventually gets into a relationship with another person who is in a different country. His relationship actually is with somebody who they're texting back and forth with and leaving voice memos with. But the person refuses to FaceTime with them or have any kind of like visual interaction 
obviously this person's in Canada, so they're not meeting with each other anytime soon, and basically develops this relationship with an avatar, because both of them had VR machines. So he would meet with this person in a game on virtual reality, and basically had a relationship with the avatar. And needless to say, like the previous story, this was sort of disconcerting, because he would say, I love you, to an avatar. He would say and express sexual things to an avatar. And eventually, during one of our meetings, I went on to ask him why he didn't actually have video chats with this individual and would only do it via, like, typing or the game. And he said, because I fear that she is going to not like what she sees. Which not only kind of is very sad when you think about it, but furthermore, really takes away from something that I spotted immediately, which is, how is he certain that it's a girl? Like, he's never seen her. He doesn't even know what she looks like. It's an avatar, a high tone voice, which you can easily change up with an audio program. He doesn't even know who he's talking to, and neither does the other person. And so this is another component of online relationships that have really cause problem for kids, which is they're starting to forget and not even notice some of the things that end up being missing from the relationship. So I'm actually combining this next story with two different people, one of which got into a relationship with someone on the other side of the country and another one with a person who got in a relationship with someone on the other side of the world. Both of these individuals were in the spectrum. So unfortunately, social interaction is difficult. And in order to alleviate these concerns and not feel lonely, they decided to use the internet in order to get into relationships. I don't know how they found these people. I want to suspect the one that found the person on the other side of the country did so through video games and through forums. But the one that found it through the other country, I have still to this day no idea how they did it. But... The common denominator with these two is they would do video chats with these people, they would have intense sexual, like virtual chats with these people, they would send gifts to their counterparts, and it behaved like a long-distance relationship, but some peculiarities started occurring. So first off, for the person who was in the relationship with someone across in the country, we'll call her Dana. Dana had certain issues when it came to former experiences of abuse. So quickly, the patient I was working with found that Dana had kinks that he couldn't quite like live with himself on. Very intense, forceful, dominating kinks. And he had a lot of trouble with what would that do to his self-esteem. Because unfortunately, he felt that he was basically borderline abusing her even though it was to satisfy her kinks. Meanwhile, across the world, my other client is working with, let's refer to her as Tanya. And Tanya is enjoying the gifts that he's sending her. But unfortunately, he is not sending enough. So Tanya kept on like using sexual innuendo and kept using like promises of a beautiful future, but was fearful that he was not able to sustain her, would have her family actually engage in the FaceTimes to kind of show that 
it was important that he keep on working on sending her more things in order to be able to have a fulfilling relationship. It got so out of control with the Tanya relationship that she was actually asking my patient to change religions because their culture wouldn't be able to be with someone who is of a different religion. And my patient was just kind of going along with it. In spite of concerns yielded by his friends, his family, he felt that this was the way to go to the point where he actually gobbled up enough money to gather up to make his way to Tanya's home country. Now, this story actually sadly ends on a sour note, much like with the other one with Dana, where both people buy tickets to go visit the other person only to have the other person immediately say that they got into an anxiety spiral and did not want them to come over, but wanted to maintain the relationship. And hopefully, when we get married a year and a half later, which, by the way, is a common thing that you see in these online relationships, what I'll get into in a bit, then everything is going to be fine. And that, sadly, is part of the reason why these relationships function for a lot of kids in these situations. There's the promise of more. Sexuality, commitment, a future. And they get this sense of assurance that doesn't truly exist because their relationship already is incomplete and a giant bridge exists separating their current relationship to what they're aspiring for. Are they being exploited by these other people? Probably not. Based on what I heard, Dana and Tanya were both equally problematic in their own ways and dealing with their own anxieties, insecurities, and potentially experiences of abuse, both familial and sexual, in their histories. But, as for my patients, they couldn't see that all these shortcuts that they were taking were merely ways of engaging in escapism. And that is kind of the thing that, as parents, one has to discuss with all these kids that escaping into an internet relationship doesn't necessarily fulfill what they're seeking out. It just merely covers up what's missing. And that eventually, when it's time to actually think about what a relationship means, they actually have no idea what to do with it. And as a parent, it is best to talk to kids about not only what it is that a kid is seeking from a relationship, but also what it means to be patient and what it means to deal with the insecurities that come with worrying about whether or not you're good enough for someone or for fear of rejection. And with that, we're done for today. I hope this was informative and useful in knowing how some of the things that we often overlook tend to be something that we should actually start paying attention to, especially for the sake of those that we care about. And the best thing that you can do in these kind of situations is not chastise the child, the teenager, or the adult for getting in these kind of relationships but actually bearing down and addressing why it is that they feel that this is the best they can do to begin with, and actually kind of coordinating what it is that they can do in order to not only alleviate their concerns, but even make situations like these more realistic so they don't find themselves deep into a fantasy for months or even years on end. And that's about it for today. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. You can like or subscribe on your podcast provider, whether it's Apple, Google, Spotify, or the rest. You can follow us at Some Tales From at twitter.com.
Is it Twitter.com? Yeah, sure, we'll say that. And lastly, you can email us at sometalesfromthechair at gmail.com. Send us any ideas, any thoughts, any suggestions that you want for the podcast. Hope you have a good one. Stay safe out there.